November 24, 2021. It's a lot for Pedro Show. In the situation of the younger musicians now, they don't have that opportunity to play together. Yeah, this is, certainly needs to be done. It should be happening all the time. And the demand would develop uh, sooner.
Walk for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Started off with John Coltrane talking to Frankowski, November 1966. And then Holy Ground, Melvin Gibbs. And because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me Melvin Gibbs. Welcome aboard, Melvin. Oh, thank you for having me, Mike. Absolutely. And big credit for Stevie Bono for making the connect. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Stevie. Right. Now, uh, I'm interested big time. You know, I'm a little prejudiced towards bass, but your journey through music in particular, I'm, I'm curious. So try to, uh, let's start with your earliest recollection you still got. Of music in yeah. general? or uh, Just well, music in I, general, right. Well, you know, I mean, the thing that sticks with me now as a grown man is just riding in the car going to see, you know, either my aunt or my grandma or my dad's relatives, you know, other relatives and just hearing like, you know, regular radio in the car those are my kind of like earliest reminiscence of music you know new york top 40 or r&b or whatever you know those kind of things we're talking am radio right talking am yes this this is like you know what is, what was the new york station wabc was there okay was the main one and big uh, one was KJ here in socal yeah, that was the one. And, you know, other than that, the other big thing is like, especially, well, there's a few things, especially my aunt is thinking about music. You know, she lived in the South Bronx in the literal like Fort Apache. Oh, yeah. And uh, what they used to do back in the in those days is they would have parties like behind in the, I guess the best way to describe it is an alley. But it's, you know, we would think of more of like, you know, as a little kid, you think of it as a park, but when you look at a picture, you see it's like a bunch of bricks and, you know, uh, it's like the South Bronx devastation. But they turn, they would take the South Bronx devastation and they would stick their stereo out there and, you know, they would plug into like whatever electricity they had, like coming out of the basement or coming out of the supers area. And they would set up speakers back there and have parties and stuff. And my aunt was a big blues fan and the people on her block, they were into like soul jazz so be stuff like either bb king or cannonball adderley that kind of oh, stuff yeah. those are kind of those are the things that kind of stick with me from childhood pad you grew up in was there musical instruments oh uh, no i mean the irony of this is that uh both of my parents are deaf or you know would, you know um, my mom was basically completely deaf and my father wore hearing aids so he could hear and speak. But they met, actually met in deaf school in, when they were kids. Having said that, you know, dad always had a stereo and he listened to records. But the thing that's really interesting about that is that my mother and her friends were all really great dancers. Ah. And, and deaf people throw dances all the time. Sure, you know, sure. Because, you know, so it's kind of like, so I always tell people, you know, probably subconsciously, one of the reasons I became a bass player because that is, that's how deaf people dance because they feel the vibrations of the music. I was going to say you know? that bass is probably felt more than it's heard. Yeah. So that's what they would dance into, to the, you know, the vibrations sure, of the music. Sure. So that's, those are like the early memories, you know. And what was the first record you bought with your own money? Uh, two records at the, on the same day: "Super Bad" by James Brown oh, yeah. and my favorite and my favorite things by John Coltrane. Oh, those wow. were the first two records I bought. Wow, how old were you? I don't know, twelve maybe. Okay, because yeah. you know when you're little, you ain't got a lot of money, so it's trippy <laughs> to see what people would buy with the first. And what was the first gig you saw, Bill? Uh, Graham Central Station. Yeah, Larry Graham. Yeah, Graham Central Station. Oh man, I that got was... a Larry Graham Moonbase. 
1996, wow. yeah, made in Tokyo, you know. It's kind of like a jazz, but it was made to... It's the one he played with Prince. Wow. The Earthquaker yeah. and stuff. Oh, man, that guy's... I loved yeah. him as Sly, but the Grand Central Station was good, too. Yeah, the thing that I... The thing that I took away from that is I, I wasn't playing music yet. It, took, it was a few more years before I picked up an instrument. But the thing I remember seeing him and thinking about, I have to do all of that? I got to play <laughs> that good and sing that good and write those songs? I was just kind of like, I don't know, you know. But some of the Sly stuff, there's some good econo licks, right? You know, I, I want to thank you. I just love that, man. The ride's going on, that, that record. The, the bass yeah, is so amazing. killer. Man. Amazing stuff. Right. I mean, maybe Lewis Johnson got more with the popping and slapping, but I think Larry got it going. And maybe it came off a of rockabilly. Remember when they couldn't carry a drummer like Bill Black? And, oh, well, uh, slap the string against the neck, right? Well, Larry tells the story of how he came up with it. Was he was playing? He used to play in church, as you know. A lot of us came up. I didn't actually come up that way, but my family has. You know, I have family with church. Oh yeah, fans. a lot of rock and rollers. And he came up in church, and I don't know if the church didn't have a drummer or the drummer quit or whatever. So it was just kind of like necessity. They needed rhythm, so he okay. just started slapping, and that's how it started. Yeah, yeah, I heard the same thing with kick drum with Earl Palmer. Little Richard couldn't yeah. carry a bass man, so Earl Palmer, because uh, kick drums used to be just for bombs. They never held the beat stuff. It was that yeah. notes on the bass, right? So it, he completely uh, redesigned that thing. It, it's, it's trippy how, like you said, it's a practical thing. Yeah. The necessity. Well, let me ask you about grade school. Were you in the uh, marching band or the choir, shit like that? I was actually in the, not, I was in a choir. You know, I sang Barry in the choir and in school, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, I, I didn't sing in church, you know, because, well, that's that's a whole nother story. But I was in when I was a kid, I was in the school choir and then middle school, I was in the all Brooklyn choir and I didn't. Theoretically, I should have gone on to be in the all city choir. But, you know, I discovered things that teenagers discover and <laughs> didn't. You know, I had better things to do with my time than go to choir practice by that time. Sidetracked by reality. That's okay. It's okay. You know, learning how to sight read and all of that as a little kid. I mean, my reading still kind of sucks, but I, you know, the fact that I sang Barry turned out to be helpful later on because I, I could, you know, I kind of knew the notes and stuff when I decided to to switch over to bass. Yeah, but tell me how, why the bass? Well, you know, I, I mean, I came up, you know, in that era where you know, the funk era and I live in the neighborhood where I live, grew up in in Brooklyn. There's a lot of Caribbean, you know, Afro-Caribbean community there. So you come up listening to funk and reggae and salsa and, you know, my grandma, my Bronx, my aunt in the Bronx listening to salsa, you know, all of that is the bass is the main instrument and all of that. Yeah, it's big time. And it's melodic too. Yeah. So that kind of really influenced me. But I always tell the story that I was also, you know, once... I got into the age where I could kind of get my own money. I became like a really big record collector. You know, there was a so at a certain point, it was a question of, okay, do I want to be a DJ or do I want to be a bass player? (laughs) And and those were kind of my two choices. And I always tell, you know, the story is 
the story never gets old. One of my great mentors, who I actually started off playing congas, that's my first instrument. Ah, congas, okay. Yeah, that was my very first musical instrument because of uh, somebody who lived in my building who was just very influential in my life. And, you know, because of congas, I learned how to play like the Latin music and I got like the rudiments of African music playing the congas. And after playing congas for a while, I went up to him and said, you know, congas are okay and everything, but I really either want to be a bass player or a DJ. And he said, you should play bass because there's no future in DJing. <laughs> yeah, his crystal ball might have been a little foggy because some of those cats make a big chord. Yeah, well, this, the moral of the story is your mentors aren't always right. <laughs> but and bass turned out to be the right instrument for me, so yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, regret yeah. it. All the paths lead to now, right? Yeah. It's trippy. You, 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 you gave me this a lot of good stuff, man, but this one's called Get Some, I guess, from the new. Yeah, from my rec, from my, yeah, from my five... For May twenty May twenty five record, yeah. Listen, I told her come and get some. You don't really want it, want it. Get some. You don't really want it. Get some. You don't really want it, want it. Get some. You don't really want it. It's the ambassador. Boy, I'm more like Pastor Troy. I beseech ye, brethren, y'all can get destroyed. National Guard, the passionate mob, the khaki pant boys is all deployed. Big Floyd, rest with the angels, they finally convict some, but we still on the danger, for they get that one, two more, get that gun, three more lies, tree born lies, my fruit dangle, at the angle, we don't need more signs, they don't recognize until they convicts, with the COs catching the honey, skeets inside, linen sheets is tied, all for nine minutes, clout, we ain't finished, thin blue lines, turn the defense, tasers ain't guns, Murder was intended. Body cam, the eyewitness. It's all trauma. Circle back, it's all karma. Well past the margins. I speak without commas. My punctuation is highly graded. Clips banana. For them alphabets I'm holding in my basement. CDs, new neighbors ain't strangers. We out at the ranges. Send a mask for the silence class, for the shadow band. We know about shouts and the harlots. We know about all black dollars, Oklahoma, Wall Street, and Georgia farmers. Black steel in an hour, chaos, hay balls, two minutes, Shawshank. We ain't tenants to Green Mile, no magic niggas. We ain't sick, you sick. We ain't tricked, you get. The rabbit got the shot in, he don't miss. Remember his foot on your keys, good luck with it. Till it unload the ratchet and your life be fixed. Cause you can come and get some You don't really want it, want it Get some You don't really want it, want it Get some You don't really want it, want it Get some You don't really want it, want it Thank you. 
Listen. One day in March of New Decade.
welcome, buddy said, hey man, monosyllabic expletive of your choice, what's going on? Standing there stupid with your hands in your pockets, pretty soon it'll all be gone. Wanna smell the air, look around, son, don't step on the rack. Cause every little hair on a gray plate carrier will kill ya in nothing flat. Can you hear that ticking sound? Satan saying, come on now. The guy with the beard, he was right after all. Now the end is in sight. Get ready to fall, you can hang on the edge, you can jump in the hole, but you've traded your soul for To the man there selling salvation from the trunk of his Cadillac. A pinky ring preacher with a voodoo solution to your grandpa's heart attack. Give him all your money and your watch and your wife so the healing can begin. Now bend right over and repeat after me. Yes, Jesus is my friend. Can you hear that thunder sound? Oh, judgment day is coming down. A guy with a beard, he was right after all. Now the end is in sight, get ready to fall. You can hang on the edge, you can jump in the hole, but you traded your soul for God.
hands. Won't party. I want to get down tonight with the default. I want to dance. Won't party, hearty. Won't get down tonight with the default. I want to dance. Won't party, hearty. Won't get down tonight with the default. I want to dance. I want to party, hearty. Won't get down Me to drop there. Dance. Party 
So that chunk of music started out with Melvin Gibbs doing Get Some, the few from her new record, Snow and Pollen, is trippy album, uh, New Decade, check it out, people. Juan's Dover, I got to share the stage with him in Denton a couple weeks ago, and uh, he made a whole album about, you know, almost dying in the hospital, hospital made songs about it, stuff. this is CTS Scan, Cedric Noel's got a new album, Headspace, Joyful Noise record. Obama's pregnant out of D.C. with minutes to spare. It's about time. Brand new from Bronze Age UFO out of Baltimore. Lagoon Monster. Rubber Mass. This is the fourth volume, part A3. Brand new from Ernie Geller out of England with B and Ho. And, after, and finally, Defunct with Defunct. Great tune. Great sound. So, okay. How did you get your first bass? Uh... I went and got a job. I was working in a butcher shop, cleaning up a butcher shop. Yeah. And then I saved up the money and I hopped on a Long Island Railroad and went out to the mall and bought a, a Kingston bass amp and a Kingston bass. Oh, wow. I remember those. Yeah. So that was my first little thing. I'm and I always about... say those Kingstons, I think they they designed those to weed out who really wanted to play music <laughs> and who didn't. Yeah. Yeah, William Tell, you know, the, the you can use it doubles as a bow and arrow. <laughs> yes. Action between the strings. Yeah, you can put your whole head in between the net fretboard and the string. <laughs> yeah. I was I rode on the Long Island Railroad once. Well, actually twice, because the first time I couldn't find it, uh, find John Coltrane's grave in Pine Lawn. Yes, know, I actually show. played out at his house. Wow. They have a jazz festival at, at his house every year, and I guess two years, well, whatever year before everything shut down, I played out there. Dix Hills. And then yes. Pine Lawn's the next stop. And I thought I could just mm. find it, but there's thousands. So I had to go back, and I found a gardener, and he showed me. It's in the garden sanctuary. Well, And when I was 40 years old, right, because that's when we lost him, his age, Franz Kafka at Corral and Poe, 40 years old. Wow. Yeah, I know. Well, we so, made it past. <laughs> we did make it past. And that cat squeezed in a lot of music for us. Wow. In that yeah, time. But that's guy. why I, I I got on it underneath Madison Square Garden. I guess the old Penn Station. Yes. Yeah. Well, no. Uh, Long Island Railroad leads out of Grand Central Station. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the Penn Station got destroyed, right? It got tore down or some shit? Uh, they built a new one. I haven't actually, they built, they rebuilt it again. I haven't actually taken okay. Amtrak since then. Yeah. But there's just a whole new thing and they, you know, they put Madison Square Garden on top of it years ago, Yeah. but yeah. now they just did another rebuild and I haven't been there yet. Okay. So it's how ignorant it's California. 
No, yeah. gets me. <laughs> no, but you, you are correct. The timing is just a little different. Okay. Yes, but it, it, they did it, they did rebuild the station. Yes. So, so when you get that Kingston amp and that Kingston bass, is it man alone, or do you find a, a, a teacher? Well, this is the story. As I said, uh, you know, I started. I actually started playing music because of uh, a person who lived in, in the next apartment to me, who was a really great percussionist. And he introduced me to a good friend of his, uh, a man named Vic Colucci, who nobody knows about, but who was a really great musician. I'll, I'll tell you a little more about him later. But simultaneous to that, there was also a bunch of the older jazz musicians of Brooklyn. Well, older, you know, relatively speaking, they were still middle aged. They were younger than I am now when they were doing this. But, you know, as to, to a, you know. 14 15 year olds and everything is older oh yeah. so so they had decided to get together that was you know the 70s a time of like you know black empowerment and community building and the musicians had get, decided to get together and teach the kids to play the music there was a bunch of really great uh jazz musicians teaching the kids of brooklyn how to start and i was at that time i was still playing both electric and acoustic bass uh i bought the electric first but then you know as i worked i continued to work i bought an acoustic as well and, and uh by acoustic so, are you talking like the stand-up or are you talking like the acoustic guitar stand oh, okay no stand-up like a regular like you know like so, jazz bass like a jazz like a giant uh, like a ray, giant violin without the chin part exactly like <laughs> ray brown or you know actually i got oh, to see mr ray yeah. brown a few gigs at uh catalina me and petty Bow. Yeah. oh incredible cat and like three, great three feet in front of you also cecil yeah. mcbee i saw a lot of good bass players at that oh uh, no cecil is the baritest but the um, since we're talking people at that level the person who taught acoustic bass to who Actually, was my first bass teacher was Reggie Workman. Oh wow! That's Reggie was te Reggie was teaching the kids in the neighborhood how to play. So he's he was the my last first guy bass he teacher. left from John Coltrane's bands. Yeah, he's still going, right? Is he still making? Music? He's still he's still making music. He's still doing stuff. He has a band. You know, he still does stuff. He teaches at the new school now, so he's teaching those kids. Okay, but he great. was the first. My first actual bass lesson was with Reggie Work. And then, you know, contemporaneous with that, I was studying acoustic bass. I mean, electric bass with Vic Colucci, uh, which is important for another reason, but also the bass player, the electric bass teacher at the Muse was a woman that we used to call uh, Miss Lucy. Uh, her work name is, uh, I believe her work name was Nora Lee Jones. And she was the wife of Larry Lucy, who was Count Basie's guitar player. Yeah. Wow. And she's between Reggie and Miss Lucy. They're the ones who started all of us off, you know, all of us Brooklyn bass players off. So I got to always shout, shout out to both of them. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Vic. Much respect, much respect. Can I ask Vic you was interested. Go ahead. Paul Chambers. Oh, Paul Chambers was, you know, was an incredible he, guy. You know, yeah, that, was he an I influence mean, on your playing? I know he was gone. By well, you time. know, it's interesting because, you know, you know, as I said, the first record I bought, one of the first two records I bought was, you know, my favorite thing. So obviously Jimmy Garrison and Reggie right, were very right. important. But, you know, so what is, you know, that was one of the, you know, that's that's like required learning if you're a bass player. You know what I mean? So, right. And John and Coltrane so, wrote a song called Mr. PC. 
Exactly, because he's he's just an amazing bass player. He's you know, all, there's so uh, many great great acoustic bass players from right. from that time. You know, and but yes, he was he's he's mandatory. Of, uh, what was his name? Oscar Pettiford. Pettiford is another great one. Well, like yeah. he's a foundation guy, right? Everybody comes from that kind of school. Well, the the foundational bass player for all of yeah. all of us is uh, Jimmy Blanton, who played oh, yeah, yes, with of course. with 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 yeah, Duke, yeah. because. Uh, you know, if you listen, I when I when I when I decided, okay, this is actually what I'm gonna do. Yeah. I did this whole thing of going through the whole history of the bass. You know, going back to like listening to you know African traditional records and listening to which things are in all of the musics. Okay. And when you listen to Jimmy Blanton's bass playing, yeah. And you listen to James Jameson's bass playing. Yeah. You hear where you hear the commonality. You hear, the, you know, James's licks come directly from uh, Jimmy Blanton. Well, so it goes all the way back James. to Duke. Different James than Carol Kay or Joe Osborne, cats I like. But they're guitar yeah. players that switched over to get the work. Yeah. James comes from the stand-up. Yes. Yes. And I, and I was watching, I think it's on YouTube somewhere, where his son was, like, in the house playing his father's bass. And it's one of them, like, real, like, Heart, you know, it's like the Kingston bass version of a, it's like the strings are mad high, insane. But yeah, okay, so it's interesting you mentioned Joe Osborne because I was going to talk a little bit about Vic. Vic is the one who he, he actually got me into people like Joe Osborne. He made me learn like the you know a tapestry album. He said you're going to be playing these songs a thousand times and all of that. He's he really gave me a lot of my foundation. And the thing that was interesting about Vic was that not having anything to do with the person that we know for this. He yeah. had taken the frets off of his bass. Oh, yeah. And he was playing jazz standards on them. Wow. You know, the other you cat know? that people don't talk about either is Bill Wyman did it early. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the person we're talking, probably talking about gets all the credit. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, you know, we love him to death. Yeah, you yeah know? of it's course. Like we Robert love, we found his bass. Robert Who found his bass and got it back to his family. Okay, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, it's, I mean, I don't know how much, I, I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's, you know, whatever. I just heard the story. But uh, when I first moved out of my parents' house, Melvin, can I you hold it? Because we're at the end of the first hour. Can you start the next hour off with this story? Sure. Thank you. It's November 24, 2021, and this is what Pedro Show special guest Melvin Gibbs. Hold that for hour two. November 24, 2021, it's the second hour of Lot for Pedro Show.
Watch the Peter Show start the second hour off. Sonny Chirac Band, my song. Then Bootstrappers, there's some sharing. Uncattled. <laughs> <laughs> James Twig Harper and Rubber O. Cement with Kidney Chocline Stimulo Twist. And then finally, Harriet Tubman, Redemption Song. It's one of your new bands. Great. sounded great. And Sonny Chirac, uh, people off air, we were talking about, well, Melvin actually got to play with him and stuff, but I, I did get to share stage with him uh, maybe 30 years ago and talk to me for like an hour and a half backstage. He's just so beautiful. And, uh, yeah, he's not credited on him, Jack Johnson, uh, Miles Davis. But no, like he's Melvin there. saying, yeah, if you know his style, you can hear him all over the place. Yeah. And I always tell people it's like it's funny that you talk with him because I was in his band for four years and I believe we had two rehearsals. The whole <laughs> we had one rehearsal before we went in the studio to record the album that my song is on. Yeah. And then we had another rehearsal rehearsal somewhere along the line that I don't remember. But the way to understand Sonny was to listen to his jokes because his timing was exactly how he played. So it was really it was really about converse. So basically you had a Sonny Chirac band rehearsal backstage with him. Wow. Now continue with that story. All right. Well this is a little inside base baseball, so the That's bass players right. will can the bass players will appreciate this. Yeah, I was saying from Pedro show, okay. <laughs> I was saying when uh, I moved out of my parents' house, I moved in with a good friend of mine whose house was the center of music in that part of Brooklyn. It's the same house where Living Color had their first rehearsals. Whoa. My friend my friend is also one of the main graffiti artists, the one in the main old school graffiti artists in New York. And it just so happens that a lot of the great ones for, are from my neighborhood, including uh, a guy who back then used to call himself Samo that everybody knows is John Michelle Basquiat. Yeah. So I met him at this same house. Damn. So after I finally got up enough money to like get my own apartment, yeah. uh, this bass player who had just came up to New York from Philly moved into my, well, he hadn't just come up because I, you know, a friend told me he had been living somewhere else first. But anyway, this new, new bass player from Philly moved into the room I was living in, a man named Victor Bailey. Oh, yeah. So Victor <laughs> moved into my room and Victor was living there. And then, you know, Victor had gotten the gig, you know, got the gig with Brother Report to replace Jocko. Yeah. And uh, he was still, he still hadn't moved out yet because he was gigging so much that he didn't have time to like get his stuff together and get his own place, whatever. So he was still living in the house. And as I said, the house was kind of the music center of that part of Brooklyn. So, it, you know, why, why move? Anyway, right, one right. of my other friends, I just heard this story from one of the other guys who was living in the house. He said he came down the bell somebody he heard the bell ringing and he came downstairs and he opened the drawer and Jocko was standing there damn <laughs> and I said to him you let Jocko in <laughs> he said yes uh -oh. so and meantime Victor was up, upstairs sleeping yeah. so basically they were trying to like you know wear Jocko out so he would leave yeah. so you know but eventually you know Victor just woke up and they came downstairs and he was kind of like you know he kind of went at Victor like hey man you so you're the guy who's supposed to <laughs> you're the guy who's supposed to replace me <laughs> and Victor said hey man there's no way I'm gonna replace you I'm just gonna do me you know yeah. and that kind of sort of calmed Jocko down but, but you know Jocko, what? before Jocko there was a Czech dude right Vetus 
Miroslav Vitos, Mir- yeah, right. Miroslav. who was actually in Herbie Mann's band with Sonny, ironically enough. So oh, it goes, yeah. Know, it all goes around. It all goes around. So anyway, yeah, I mean, we. the point being is that we all love Jocko to death, but he was a very unique individual. And, you know, <laughs> you had to you had you had to know, you know, you had to know how to handle him. Great guy. I love him to death, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. we all loved him. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so. First gig with the Kingston amp, Kingston bass. Uh, country music. Yeah. Um, I was taking lessons from Vic, and you know, I guess I took it from lessons from him for about a year and a half, and I showed up to my lesson as usual. And one day he said, "Okay, no more lessons. You have a gig." <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> And he just, I guess he was just tired of doing this gig, so he handed off this country music gig to me. Okay. So. I, so I learned the song, which was really important because I learned all the Patsy Cline songs, yeah, you know, yeah, Crazy, yeah. and, you know, the, the early Willie Nelson stuff. I learned all of that. So I have all of that. I mean, the thing about country music is that, yeah, all the songs are simple, but there's always a little thing in there that differentiates it that you have to know. Otherwise, right. you're going to mess the thing up. It's, yeah, so, it's subtle. It's subtle. Yeah. So anyway, so. I did this gig, and it was funny. There used to be this place. It was in this uh, Irish bar called O'Lunny's that may still be open up on the Upper East Side. And it was funny because, you know, I set up kind of right near the door. Yeah. And it was country music night. And people would come in, and the first thing they would see would be me. And they'd be like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Charlie Pride. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to play something here. Go go ahead, Bill. So that was the first thing, you know, and then, you know, I started doing stuff around the neighborhood. As I said, I started off on percussion. So, you know, I did a, and it was a Caribbean neighborhood. So I did a lot of the various musics of the Caribbean, did a lot of, you know, salsa gigs, yeah. did. Uh, I heard uh, in the tradition, like in Cuba, this cat was telling me he was helping the Beastie Boys. They put you on clave first and then yeah. it's like a sushi chef right you're cutting cleaning until you're ready you're on the clock some dude's like yeah. five years on a dink dink yeah. dink well well fortunately for me i yeah. lived in new york yeah, right. you skipped you got to skip some grades i got to skip a few steps yeah. so i want to play yeah, something so you gave me uh from hank okay good Sitting in my room in your prison doing time Flies on my windows cause you got so good at crime You're standing on the corner with nothing in your head Shirt on your back and a gun in your pants Thinking you're a man but you're only a standing Standing in line to be the next bad guy I see what you do when you lose what you got But what do you do when you do what you want? You're so civilized you get brutalized You're so civilized Man, I see you get cut down Getting your mind off some guy's record He makes his money off fools like you Singing about killing like it ain't no thing But you do the time when you're living for real Man is way from your death row cell You're the last one to see You got sold out I hear you say you ain't paid so much that why the hell do you act like one? Because you're civilized. You 
Started off that chunk of music, Rollins Band, Civilized, and Godspeed You Black Emperor, Storm, and Socially Brium. That's a word, that name. He uh-huh. then holiday. A little pun rock, right? He then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let, let me let me get that. Social Librium. So, yeah, okay. Social Librium. Yeah, that's that. real easy if somebody says it first. <laughs> yeah, well, it helps. It helps, you know, because you, you wouldn't guess. You know, it's one of those names. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, like these projects, uh, like Harriet Tubman, that's an ongoing thing, right? Yeah, Harriet is ongoing. You know, we actually got some money from Jazz Rhodes. Thank you, Jazz Rhodes. And our next project is going to be a collaboration with the great George Ann Muldrow. Wow. So we're going to do some stuff with her. And we have a tour coming up in the fall of the trio t- uh, we're going to play uh, Big Ears, you know, whenever that is in March next year. I think we're going to so. share stage. I'm helping Mike Baget in MSSV. Oh, great, great, great. So see you there. Okay. Sure. <laughs> that looks great. Yeah. All right. So this is there's a story that I have to tell. Right. And I've told you I've told you this to your face, but I want everybody to hear it. <laughs> okay. All right. The worst concert I ever saw and one of the best concerts I ever saw were both in the same night. Whoa. And I, I can, honestly can't remember why I was there, but I was in Minneapolis. I believe, if I remember correctly, I was playing the Walker Art Center with Ronald Shannon Jackson. Wow. And we had gotten there a day early, and I was kind of like, well, what am I going to do? And uh, I was kind of like, okay, what's happening at First Avenue? And it was kind of like, okay, the replacements are playing, so... Which was the big local. They were like the kings of Minneapolis at that time. Sure. So it was like a sold out show and I finagled my way in there and I'm in the show and I'm watching the show and I'm like, wow, this band sucks. <laughs> they are just the worst. 
I mean, sorry to all the replacement fans. They might have made great records and dude might be a great songwriter, but live they were trash. So I just really got disgusted and left. And then I noticed, okay, there's another space in here. So I said, okay, let me go see what's happening in the other space. Seventh Street Entry. Yep. And I went in there and I saw one of the greatest concerts I ever saw. And it was a little band called the Minutemen. (laughs) Y'all blew me away that night. Oh, man. much respect. I just wanted to say that public on record so people hear it. That's very, very kind of you. I remember, you know, that's where the Husker Du recorded their uh, Land Speed record, too. A lot of history in that little unit. Little yeah. Well, I'm glad we did it for you, man. Playing with D. Boone and George Hurley. <laughs> Incredible for me. Incredible. Yeah. We're at the end of the second hour, November 24, 2021. Dish Watt Peters for special guest Melvin Gibbs. Hold tight for hour three. November 24, 2021. It's the third hour. Watt Show.
Oh, oh, oh. 
Pedro Show, Star Third Hour, Invoke, Arno Lindsay. Then uh, Rocks on the Ramp, Helvetia, Helvetia, they're brand new. Mamalik, The Hypocrite and the Concubine. Success from Scotch Rolex featuring Lord Spikehart, uh, Brother Shige. He's living in Berlin, but he went to Uganda and did some collabs with the uh, electronic musicians there. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love that stuff. The Yege Yege. Yeah, tapes. that's what it is. Man, yeah. it's intense. I love it. So, yep. um, I am Dovolino Te Viaj. Sorry for ruining Slovenian, but <laughs> <laughs> they got the English here. I have enough of that moisture. So, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and Kushta Pesci is the name of the band. And then Zigzag Power to you, Street Priest. Yes. Vernon. One time, Vernon. It was trippy. He, he uh, I met him, and uh, hey, would, someday would you teach me chess? And I'm thinking, Vernon Reed don't know how to play chess. <laughs> yeah, that was hard to believe. But Doug Wimbish is their bass man now. Yeah, Doug. Doug is. Doug is. He's been that guy for a long time. Yep. Vernon's one of my long time. We're we're like teenage friends. You know what I mean? Wow. Well, I'm you're, actually. You're talking about that, that house, right? Well, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Even, yes, he was the person whose house that was. He was actually in a band with him before that. And that's how we met. And then we had like a teenage jazz fusion band. He had a band called Point of View. I was a bass player in that. Wow. This is before we even started playing like in Manhattan and all this. That He's like, you know, he's 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 family, literally family. Wow. You know, he's an incredible and, musician. He's a super nice guy. <laughs> yep. And I, I chose that song in particular because yeah. that is a song written by Ronald Shannon Jackson. Yeah. And Shan and I'm the one, you know, who introduced him to Shannon, you know, because we were both kind of I don't want to say we're the misfits, but I guess it's the correct thing. We were kind of the outliers <laughs> of the neighborhood in terms of musical taste. And I had fallen into this scene in New York and I thought it would be a good thing for him to kind of meet some of these guys. So uh, you know, he came to the gig and Shannon really liked him and Put him in the band, and we got to go, you know, a few different countries. You know what? And then what? I'm, yeah. I'm wondering who took him to his first Bad Brains gig. Uh, I can't take credit for that. <laughs> I don't know how you'd have to ask. But him. you know, I was talking to Gary, Doctor No, and he told yeah. me he was the bass player when they were a jazz fusion band before yeah, Daryl. Yeah, before Daryl. I, I love Daryl's playing, that. man. I believe that it's it's funny how all of this comes. This there's a weird story of of this 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 is a bunch of interesting connections. I actually know about the Bad Brains because of Gil Evans. Whoa! <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'll because time seems to be a little tight. I'll leave the front part of the story off. But anyway, I was up in Gil's apartment with a good friend of mine, Alphonia Timms, who was Alphonia was Gil's protege at that time. Okay, and Gil's. Younger son Noah Evans had a hardcore band called Frontline, and the drummer in Gil and the drummer in Noah's hardcore band was Mackie, who was then in the Chromax. Right. Okay. And Mackie came. You know, one of the after rehearsal, we went up in Gil's apartment, and I was chilling with Noah, and 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 Mackie popped this cassette. He's he said, "I you got to hear this," he, and he popped this cassette into the cassette player and played it. And after about 30 seconds, I was just like, this is the greatest band that ever lived. Yeah. You know, Adam Yelk, <laughs> Adam Yelk told me he got learned bass from Daryl. And then he taught the rest yeah. of the guys, yeah, Harvitz and Mike Diamond. Of, yeah, bad brains are so key to a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
and and yeah, they, and that was and ironically to that, the first time they played in New York was this little place called a uh, uh, A seven. A seven, right? Only, that that was yeah. their scene. I remember. And I used to play in A seven. I was in. I played in A seven every. Can't remember if it was every Tuesday or every Thursday. They had we had a blues night in there with the with a lot of the uh, the uh, with Charles Bobo Shaw of uh, of yeah, Bag. Yeah. A lot of the, the avant garde jazz guys had a blues night in there. So I was in there every week. So so when I found out that Brains were going to be there, I was like, okay, I'm definitely coming to this. So I was so ironically enough, me and Henry were both there, but we didn't know each other at the time. So man, what a trip! What a yeah. what a trip! Okay. You gave me this uh, elevated entity, Melvin Gibbs' elevated en- entity. I want to place Canto for Odu. 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 Okay, Odu.
Watch for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Start off Canto por Oduada. 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 Yes. Watch a slow learner, but he's going to get it. Oduada. Yep. Melvin Gibbs, Elevated Entity. Then the great Chicago jam from Headboggle. And finally, Body Meta Band. Horse Flower Storm slash Fabuloso. So let's talk about the, the, the 5 plus 1 equals 25. Yes. It came out last May, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, it so happens that uh, my birthday is May 25th. Wow. Oh. And two years ago on my birthday, you know, we, and it's, it's uh, was, is also the same day that Mr. Floyd got murdered. Oh, shit. Yeah. So those things in my mind are intimately connected. And, when it was the year anniversary, I was like, okay, I have to, I have to kind of do something to mark this so I can move on. So I decided to make sure the record would come out for that date. I had been spending a lot of time in Minneapolis. I was there, I guess I went there in June and I, I spent a lot of time there these days for the obvious reason that people spend time in places where they're not from. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I spent a lot of time at George Floyd, not a lot of time, but I spent, you know, a significant time at George Floyd Square. And the vibe there was just, I always tell people that the, in the beginning, the vibe there is a vibe that only felt really one other place. And that was in the Peace Square outside the area where the, in the area where the atomic bomb got dropped in Hiroshima. Oh, yeah. It just really, so to me, that spot signifies the American Hiroshima. It's like it's that level of combination of peace and angst. And I just wanted to make a record to capture that because at the time I didn't really feel like any of the music was kind of up to the task, you know, because the traditional protest music wasn't working. And what people were doing in New York City was they had decided to repurpose the current uh hip hop, the current Brooklyn drill music, and they just changed the lyrics to George, you know, George Floyd. And that's so I decided, well, I need to make something that's kind of current to reflect that. So I, that's kind of what I did. And I got my uh, good friend Kakai to come rap on it and wanted to make something that was, you know, I call it uncle music, something that's from, you know, the old, older black men to our, our take on the world, and that's kind of what that record is. Yeah. Can I ask you about that song, Alabama, John Coltrane? Is that, sure. Is, is there a feeling in that? Like, it's only yeah. a title, right? There's a, but you can tell he's phrasing his horn like Dr. King. Yes, yes. I mean, it's, 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 it's this thing where you're trying to really process the fact that, you know, the planet needs to move forward and people yeah. need to move forward, and they're just having a really hard time doing it. Yeah. But having said that, the thing that the thing that made me want to make this particular record that's maybe kind of different than what Coltrane was going through then was be, there was, I mean, this anarchist term called TAS, Temporary Autonomous sure. Zone. And George Floyd Square was kind of a TAS. It was kind of like this, in the beginning anyway, it was kind of just like safe space. So you'd see people come in from out of town, white people who were looking around, like, you know, kind of trying to wrap their heads around what they could have, what happened and how they could be allies and how they could move things forward. It was a really different vibe yeah. there. 
So I kind of wanted to capture that because, you know, the first word of Taz is temporary. (laughs) It was going to go away and it already has. But I wanted to really kind of capture the the moment, the 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 fact that, yes, America can rise to the level that we want it to rise to. You know, it may it might drop back down again, which is in the process of doing. But I just really wanted to capture that that combination, you know, the ability to face it. There was another coincidence, too, about May 25. What is it? There was a new shipmate came on board. Oh, yeah. Shipmate. Yeah, crew member, right? Uh, Got named after you. Okay. (laughs) Right? Yes. Okay. So it's trippy, the connections, right? Where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, they can find me. Uh, I don't have a dedicated website. They can, the first place, they can come find me at Bandcamp. Yeah, do you have a Bandcamp site? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Music.melvin.gibbs. Or just Melvin Gibbs at Bandcamp. You can just plug in the search at Bandcamp. Right, right. I need to shout out out Northern Spy Records because the uh, 4 plus 1 for 5... Four plus one equals five for May 25 is out on Northern Spy Records, so I want to shout them out. Absolute. And look, <laughs> we ran out of time, so you got to come back on the show, please. Oh, definitely. We I'm, could talk I'm bass it. forever. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show, man. And thanks for making right. this record, too. Really oh, thank, important. Thank. Really important. People, it's been uh, May 24, 21, 2021 dishwap. People should keep you powder dry. <laughs>